Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, we're looking at the ever-growing acceptance of technology to make our roads safer. I do find that the naysayers, for want of a better expression, around these systems are almost giving the providers and the utilisers backhanded compliments because what, in effect, they are saying is they know it works, they know that there's no way around it, it is going to modify their behaviour and they are, whether they truly admit it or not, cognizant of the fact that their behaviour up to that point had been speeding or had been going through these routes in a manner that isn't the way they were designed or whether they should be. We hear from the man in charge of selling the idea of average speed enforcement and other technical solutions for safer roads, as John Piper of Unoptic is our guest. Nothing average about this conversation on Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations, the Transport Technology Forum, ITS UK, Elkrig and Adept. So we'll get to all things enforcement in a moment here on Highways Voices after we've picked up some of the top stories catching my co-owner Adrian Tatum's eye on the Highways News website. The Department for Transport has announced it's spending £47.5 million in enhancing the safety of some of the UK's most high-risk roads. Through the third round of the Safer Roads Fund, 27 new schemes will be delivered which the government says will benefit road users around the country by driving forward safety improvements such as redesigning junctions, improving signage and road markings, reducing the risk of collisions, which will in turn will reduce congestion, journey time and emissions. As part of the fund, government said it's continuing to deliver a wide range of improvements across the road network whilst working with local authority and safety groups. However, the Asphalt Industry Alliance has called the announcement as woefully behind what's needed. Elsewhere, Stagecoach, the UK's biggest coach and bus operator, has announced its plans to introduce 170 fully electric vehicles in Stockport as it places its largest electric bus order to date. The electric fleet of 150 double-decker and 20 single-deck vehicles will be produced by Volvo MCV, represent an investment by Stagecoach of £37.2 million, and it will benefit the customers of Stockport with the first vehicles of the order being delivered in the summer of 2024. Buses will be jointly funded by Stagecoach and local and national government, with Stagecoach investment much funded from Greater Manchester's successful zero emission bus regional area scheme and an additional contribution of £12.5 million by Transport for Greater Manchester and Greater Manchester Combined Authority. Elsewhere, Oxfordshire County Council has released a statement detailing how its highway teams are working hard to repair road surfaces after a winter that's seen periods of freezing temperatures and also exceptional rainfall, leading to the condition of roads deteriorating around the county. The county has 13 teams out repairing the roads each day, working with the funding the council has available, but it says that even with the extra funding recently announced in the Chancellor's budget for local roads, councils have for some time been significantly underfunded by central government. It's the email the industry waits for every lunchtime, our Highways News midday briefing, and you can get it too if you don't already, simply by going to highways-news.com slash subscribe. On our site, you'll also find links to our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds, so you'll always be up to date, because we are the only place you need to go for everything you need to know We are Highways News. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. 
from software as a service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. Anyone overseeing a road network knows that safety and air quality are two of the key things they need to worry about and increasingly technology is helping deliver improvements in both. The technology has come a long way since the first speed camera was installed in Twickenham more than 30 years ago, so let's get an idea of what it can do now by meeting John Piper on Highways Voices. He's Sales and Marketing Director at Unoptic, so somebody who knows how to make people accept something that historically has been moaned about. And I started by asking him about his background. The entity that I work for in the UK, so it's now Unoptic UK, has had a number of name changes over the years. I actually joined in 2009 when it was SpeedCheck Services. I joined in a sales support role within the existing sales team that consisted of a number of account managers and previous sales director Jeff Collins, so worked for Jeff. In around 2010-2011, part of an acquisition, SpeedCheck became Visionics and with that became a desire to look at some larger contracts and the role of bid manager became available and it was a natural progression for me into a bid manager role within the group. I worked in that position until around 2017-2018 and again as part of a further acquisition which then became Unoptic, the company were not just looking at large opportunities in the UK but also internationally. So part of bid manager role I started to help bid manage international opportunities and in 2018 I became the international bid manager for Unoptic UK. That mainly consisted of supporting Inoptic colleagues in other territories with the sales process for the equipment that is manufactured in the UK. That role existed and I continued in that role until six, seven months ago when I was given the opportunity to be the sales and marketing director, which is the role I'm fulfilling today. You talk about Inoptic UK and then that's part of the Unoptic group uh, that's a German-based company. So is the Unoptic UK bit of the company basically the average speed camera that you've kind of brought into the wider Unoptic group? Pretty much, yes. So we, we would see the, the UK within Unoptic as the centre of AMPR excellence and manufacturing and development. So when the acquisition first occurred in 2014, there was a very good synchronisation between the two companies in that Unoptic were a global player with enforcement systems, predominantly sensor-based speed and red light, but they had no footprint in the UK. Similarly, they had no average speed or AMPR-based technology that they could sell around the world. So, so the link was quite obvious. Over the years, it's continued to exist in terms of two separate entities, with Unoptic in Germany looking at sensor-based technologies primarily, and the UK remaining a, a hub for AMPR. What we use that AMPR for is primarily the speed enforcement systems, as you mentioned, average speed or point-to-point, -point, as it was referred to in other territories, and then combining that with our expertise from a legacy point of view in Germany, i.e. a radar, combining that with the camera that we make here to provide a spot and red light system. It's very much video based is what we specialise in in the UK and then we try to utilise that expertise in other areas of Unoptic to progress our overall solutions. Looking on the wall of your office you've got a big average speed check sign on the wall that I guess reminds you every day of why you're in here. When I looked at the stories we've run about Unoptic on Highways News one of the things I noticed was how quickly you'd gone from from your 200th scheme to your 250th and the fact that it took you sort of 17 or 18 years to get that first 
100 then you very quickly got to 200 and then in only 18 months you got to 250 it's kind of becoming standard accepted technology on our roadsides now the acceptance is a major part in it there are other two factors that kind of I think have driven that increase in demand or increase in supply and delivery of these types of systems. The first is our most recent home office type approval for average speed systems. That is Specs Vector, Specs 3 Vector. That utilizes a relatively small intelligent camera as opposed to some of our previous designs which were slightly larger in terms of the actual hardware that would be needed. And what the introduction of Vector as an average speed system has allowed is that we can start to look at schemes and designs in a way that we weren't able to previously. That has specifically manifested itself with what I would refer to as urban-based average speed systems. So these are the same average speed technology that you will see if you drive through many roadworks locations or very long-standing highways or high-speed routes, but it's using that technology. Sometimes it's uh, attaching those cameras to existing street furniture, but also installing them in short baseline systems. And this provides the overall aesthetic of a network management. And we've had some concerted success in particular cities to deliver that. And as a result, what you see is that they are also individual systems as part of a greater collective. But when we count our systems, the number of individuals goes up quite quickly. You mentioned about the in urban areas. Of course, more and more places are now bringing in 20 mile an hour limits. And originally the idea i guess of uh, enforcing 20 mile an hour was more on an engineering basis of having speed humps and narrowing the road and visual ways of, of slowing the traffic but in plymouth you've got that first system now with the average speed checks at 20 miles an hour and then a spot speed camera in there as well do you see that trend as as a growth opportunity for the business to actually be properly enforcing with the threat of a fine and points the 20 limits in towns and cities yeah i i believe so i mean the, the ability to actually enforce 20 mile an hour limits has existed for a very long time we've had systems in london with the rotherhide tunnel and tower bridge where we've had systems that have enforced for 20 mile an hour for a, many, for a large number of years. It, it's more a hearts and minds and also a, um, a resource issue, I think, for the, the enforcement authorities within that local area. There is a need for enforcement in 20 mile an hour zones. Going back to my previous comment in terms of these urban routes, the updated average speed systems provide a mechanism to do that. But it's more a case of actually getting the buy-in from local authorities and local enforcement agencies that this is something to both not just install but then enforce against in a manageable and practical way. So we're seeing lots of positive news and and, and feedback from the the example that you referenced in Plymouth, but we've also got 20 mile an hour systems in Bedfordshire where we have advocates who are very much advocating for the benefits of these systems and hopefully that will have a knock-on effect to other parts of the country where this kind of approach can actually deliver safety benefits. The interesting thing when I was going through the uh, the stories we ran was that the Plymouth system was actually off the back of a demand from the residents. They didn't want speed humps on their roads. They they would be inconvenient to them. They wanted the average speed cameras because they'd stick to it. Everybody else had to as well. That's an interesting case in that the, the local residents in particular are very much supportive of it. Plymouth as a potential tourist destination has lots of traffic that's coming in for whether it be work, whether it be holidays. And, and the local residents, and I believe in particular sort of people who use some of these routes as 
cyclists could see the benefit that sustained management of speed through this section would have benefits to their day-to-day -day lives. Um, we, we get a lot of this feedback, although a lot of it may come in the form of anecdotal, but in this scenario, there's been quite a lot of online communication about it, both for and against, but what you will see when upon further inspection is that those who are very much supportive of it are those local residents who have to deal with that road and the dangers that that may represent on a day-to-day -day basis. You mentioned Jeff earlier, who used to occupy this seat, and uh, he would always talk about reverse nimbyism in as much as people hate speed cameras except where they live because they really like the fact that enforcement is taking place because actually they hate having speeding uh, cars coming past their own front doors. Actually, I have seen through the years of me sort of searching out different stories about intelligent transport systems that the kind of tone of news reports in mainstream press about speed cameras and specifically average speed cameras it, it's become very much warmer yeah I, I can't claim that i would use exactly the same expression as my predecessor but i absolutely agree with the sentiment i do find that the naysayers for one of a better expression around these systems are almost giving the providers and the utilizers backhanded compliments because what in effect they are saying is they know it works they know that there's no way around it it is going to modify their behavior and they are whether they truly admit it or not cognizant of the fact that their behavior up to that point had been speeding or had been going through these routes in a manner that isn't the way they were designed or whether they should be. I would agree with your sentiment. I think the general narrative in the general public is positive of this particular technology. We in Yanoptic have used the strap line for many years, which is this idea of smoother, smarter, greener, fairer. But what does that mean in the real world? Where perhaps a, an urban route-based approach to speed enforcement is desired, Specs 3 Vector can now be utilised to enforce these, these shorter links worth saying sort of problematic junctions and, and identified accident hotspots would likely and, and correctly benefit from the spot speed and red light systems that have traditionally been installed in urban areas, particularly with modern systems where invasive loops, they're no longer needed and, and enforcement can be achieved for bi-directional sites. Yet the implementation and the use of average speed in these environments is providing a, a further strategic option or a design option for authorities. So what sort of benefits would this have then, John? It has tangible benefits when it comes to the actual experience of the road, the reliability of the journey times. And one thing that we're particularly keen on, and this has been derived from some of the projects we've done in particular in Wales, is that it has environmental benefits by the sustained speed or the sustained lower speed, which obviously is a very key thing at the moment. And there was, you can tell I've been doing my homework <laughs> before we uh, sat down to talk, John. There was the analysis by a company called Agilisys that kind of almost got lost because it was released just before Christmas the year before last that statistically the systems work in reducing the number of serious and fatal collisions on the road by pretty much on average 50%. That's a major thing to shout about. Absolutely. Um, our work in partnership with Agilisys has gone on for many years and, and they provide a real valuable service almost to the industry by being that impartial centre of excellence for these kind of reports and statistics. We were supportive of it. We had, again, through our own research, a clear idea of the kind of the benefit in terms of safety and reduction in, of incidents and injuries and, and fatalities, that these were the kind of results that we would see. But it was both comforting, heartwarming and, and, and justified our position that once this report was done, based on many of our systems, looking at from a more statistical approach where you have that three-year pre and three 
three-year post data sets, the level of, of improvement from a safety point of view was demonstrated. We're talking to John Piper from Unoptic and we'll be picking up on a few more specific instances of uh, the technology being implemented on our roads after we've picked up on the latest news with our partners. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. More than 60 local and regional highways bodies are now registered for the Transport Technology Forum conference in Leeds that takes place on the 25th, 26th and 27th of April, making it a record for this event. They're joined by representatives from four national governments and from the private sector, which has the chance to meet local and national government. There's one exhibition place left and a handful of tables sponsorships available. These sponsorship benefits include giving organisations promotion ahead of the event, a chance to host a branded table at the conference dinner and access to all the networking events. Highways and Transport Solutions provide a Clearview Intelligence has signed up as the main sponsor. Unex Traffic will be the evening network event sponsor. The Adept Spring Conference will take place on the 25th of May with the key theme of resilience as seen through the lens of people, place and planet. It's one of the most exciting events in the sector, providing an opportunity to get together and take stock to recognise achievements and gear up for the challenges ahead. This year's conference promises to be an even more exciting one than ever, with a range of thought-provoking speakers lined up. The aim is to generate debate and start a conversation about how we can remain resilient in what continues to be challenging times. This year, the keynote speaker will be the Right Honourable Chris Skidmore MP, who published Mission Zero, Independent Review of Net Zero, earlier this year. A range of engaging sessions will take place through the day, covering resilience in the spheres of highways, engineering and transport. The event is open to both ADEPT members and non-members, and you can book on the ADEPT website. Two dates for your diary if you're an ITS UK member. The Intelligent Transport Address takes place on the 17th of May, hearing from a senior government figure on their vision for the future of transport. It'll take place at the Royal College of Arts Mobility Design Centre in Battersea. The Society's AGM will take place before the address. Sign up to attend on the ITS UK website and likewise you can sign up there for an event on the 14th of June which is a parliamentary reception with Transport Innovation Minister Jesse Norman. It provides ITS UK members the opportunity to meet with parliamentarians and industry stakeholders in the House of Commons. And finally, the Local Council Road Innovation Group's final webinar in the series Practical Steps on the Journey to Net Zero is now available to watch on demand. The event examined how local authorities are starting to prioritise climate change in their highway life cycle planning. The discussion covered a lot of ground, including considering climate factors in highway maintenance initiatives, how to make the right investment decisions, consideration of whole life carbon outputs, cutting through greenwashing, the use of innovative materials and practical steps to take. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. So we're with John Piper of Unoptic and talking about specific uh, well, use cases of average speed 
speed enforcement and uh, a couple that have been picked up one you've just been telling me about and another that we ran on highways news a few weeks ago i want to pick up on the dp world implementation in essex because that's a new one in as much as you've got an average speed scheme as you would find anywhere else in the country but on a private network yet still enforced by the local police force that's quite a different group of people getting together to implement something yeah we we believe it's certainly the first of its kind in the uk over the years we've had a number of companies who have come to us they've obviously recognized our systems on the public network on the national network and they may have issues within their business parks or, or things to that extent where they have a speed problem this was an example whereby the dp world complex at the london gateway port in south essex exactly as you say had approached us and had also conversed with essex police around this particular issue and as a result, a kind of a management of all those stakeholders and a collaborative approach has meant that we will be delivering a, a home office type approved specs vector system in exactly the same way as we would on all the other routes that you've just mentioned with the 250 plus permanent routes. But this is on a private road and this will be enforced by the Essex police. As I say, it's a first of its kind and there may well be scenarios where this could be repeated in other locations. But it's a good example whereby not so much innovation technically, but innovation in approach, innovation in collaboration will represent something that we hope will have a sustained and improved safety effect on this particular complex. And here's one that we haven't run yet on Highways News, but I'm sure we will in the near future, which is a scheme in Carmarthenshire that you're putting in, which is completely off-grid. There is no connection to electricity on the grid at all, yet you're still able to deliver a permanent average speed system. How's that working? So um, this, this ties in with my previous comment around sort of innovation in approach. We deliver many average speed systems as part of roadwork schemes on the National Highways Network, and increasingly some of those schemes are utilising off-grid power. We've taken that approach and partnerships that we've built up through through those contracts to look at a scheme, as you say, in, in Wales, Black Mountain on the A4019, where it's being used as a biker route. Now, implementation of average speed systems where there is a known biker issue is not new. We've got many examples, but exactly as you say, this wouldn't have been deliverable in years previous because there is no power at the parts of the route that are most effective. We've taken that experience from our roadwork-based systems. We've worked collaboratively with North Wales Police and the local council, and we've able to design and we will shortly be delivering a system that will deliver the same improved safety results but utilising fully off-grid power. So it's again, it's, it's innovation in collaboration, innovation in implementation. Now, you mentioned the environmental benefits as well. So it's not always the fact that you're putting average speed schemes in for safety benefits. But I want to pick up on kind of the other use of the data, because as regular listeners to Highways Voices all know, I fell into doing this for a living through running radio traffic news companies. And the gathering of the data early on, sort of 20, 25 years ago, when I got involved, was usually phoning people up and asking them to look out the window and tell us what was going on. We didn't have the technology we have now. So I look at the number of average speed cameras as I drove from home to here today, you know, I must have gone through about six or seven schemes. 
the data that you could be getting for traffic jams, for journey time, so that local authorities could understand what's going on on the roads, and then the origin destination, so you could work out what routes people are taking when they travel. All that rich data set that you could use to better manage the road network. At the moment, it doesn't seem that data is actually available for local authorities, transport planners, etc., to use in order to better understand the movement of people and goods around the country. Why is that, and is there any prospect of that changing? The main reason why that is the case is legislative. The systems that we propose and the ones that you've just mentioned, obviously specs, vector as an average fee system, they are approved by the Home Office, uh, so they have HOTA approval. That approval requires that those cameras are used for that purpose and that purpose only as it currently stands. This is a topic that we've been very much looking at and advocating for 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 a long period of time from a technical point of view. The vector camera that's the intrinsic part of, of of a spec system is pretty much the same hardware that's within our vector SR. So that's our HOTA spot speed and red light system. And the idea that you've got a common hardware with slightly different software, but of course through development, that could be a singular software instance, could then do multiple things. We are already delivering similar approaches in some of the international markets that we're working in, where the the restrictions on the use of the data isn't as high. We've got systems within Europe and elsewhere where these single cameras are not just providing a single purpose or a single enforcement purpose. The data is being dual fed to multiple systems to provide exactly what you've said, that holistic benefit from the data that's being captured. In, in the UK, we're hearing things about smart cities and, and we as Unoptic have recently rebranded to smart mobility. So we recognize that there is a, a shift in focus. It will take a little longer, I think, because of the high bar we have with enforcement systems in the UK. We have to be sure about how that data is being managed and how that data is being communicated. But it's very much a legislative thing again, as opposed to a technical. Once the powers are provided and we're working with different authorities and different entities to try and progress that, we as Unoptic and our current systems are ready and waiting to provide all of those benefits to as many potential people who could receive it as possible. Because I guess another obvious use of this is the fact that because in effect you're taking pictures of number plates and then you're just working out how long the time is between point A and point B and what you know therefore what the speed is, there's no particular reason why you couldn't, I guess, work out from DVLA records what's an HGV, what's a van, what's a car. They might have different speeds over the same stretch of road. You could therefore enforce different speed limits on the same stretch just based on what sort of vehicle it is. Absolutely. This is something that we are already looking at, not just looking at, we're actually delivering in the aforementioned European territories. Our approach to this is not quite as you've described with a link to DVLA. We as Unoptic, as an AMPR provider, have over the last three, four plus years very much invested in deep learning technology. We use deep learning for our core AMPR recognition, but we also use it to do vehicle classification. So the ability of training an engine so that over the course of time you show it lots and lots of images so that it can learn what is a car, what is a bike, we can implement that all within that intelligent camera unit and therefore you have have a method whereby exactly as you say the camera captures an image it captures a number plate and from that the camera is then able to infer that it is one of those classes a hgv therefore a lower speed limit 
Once you have all those tools, it's all about putting it together with an intelligent back office where you can set number of rules so that it has a, an understanding as to at what level and at what confidence certain measures will be implemented. So at a high percentage where the system has a high percentage that the images captured at an entry and an exit point are indeed a heavy goods vehicle, then a lower speed limit could be applied to that particular vehicle and that particular capture. As I say, this is something that we're actively delivering in Portugal and we'll also be working on it very shortly in Belgium. These are areas within Europe that don't have as high a level of approval as they do in the UK. But we know that we would like to bring this to the UK in the next few months and years, working with the authorities to make sure that we get the powers and the permissions to do so. And finally... Who are your customers? This is Highways Voices, and while we do have PCCs and police forces represented on our mailing list, most of the people who will be listening to this will be working in highways departments, Department of Transport, National Highways. Are your customers the police forces, are they the highways departments, or are they a mix of both? So they're absolutely all of the above. We would say that my colleagues in accounts would recognise that our customers are safety camera partnerships in terms of the the part of the police that enforce speeding offences. They're also local authorities, city councils, county councils. On top of that, we would absolutely regard our key customers as national highway authorities. So national highways, Transport Scotland and the Welsh Government. Uh, As I've mentioned previously, we do a lot within roadworks. So we have average speed systems within roadworks and therefore our customers in a very complex stakeholder map would be the contractors who are responsible for that road work. But I think it's also important that as the head of the sales team, our customers are also all of the consultants and all of the safety practitioners who want to deliver better results to the UK road network. We very much regard ourselves as that consultative company. We've done it very well in the past and we would look to do it more in the future. So there's a sort of multitude of answers to that question depending on how, how you may interpret it. Okay. It's been fascinating talking to you and some of the new ideas and new places that the same technology can be used in order to make our roads safer. John, we'll catch up again soon, but for now, thanks for your time here on Highways Voices. Thank you very much. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. That's almost it for now, but we still have time to find out who Adrian's tipping his hat to this week in... Adrian's accolade. And my accolade this week goes to the team at Transport for West Midlands and their technology partners after Wolverhampton became one of the UK's most accessible bus stations. It joins New York and Barcelona in testing the latest inclusive technology. Transport for West Midlands unveiled a new smart code at Wolverhampton bus station, giving passengers immediate access to wayfinding details and live travel information on their mobile phones. As we look to move people from the road network onto public transport, this move couldn't come at a better time. And that's why they're worthy winners of my accolade this week. Pioneering stuff in the West Midlands. We're out of time on Highways Voices this week. Back next Wednesday when I'll upload the new one at half past nine and we'll be taking a tour of the Smart Mobility Living Lab. Catch you then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 